I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. Welcome in to Country Roads Confidential. A Paramount podcast production. I am Mike Casaza. Welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, congested time on the website. More commitments than you can swing a helmet at right now. For this upcoming season and the season beyond transfers and then, oh, just a top 10 recruit in WVU history. Rodney Gallagher leading off our conversation today. We'll talk about him first. We'll get into some of the defensive back transfers, but the Mountaineers make an enormous splash in their upcoming recruiting class with someone who will now rank in the 24-7 composite era as the number six all-time recruit for West Virginia. Checking in between, crack your knuckles here, Geno Smith and Wyatt Milam. That is very good company to keep, and this is a very big day for West Virginia. It's a huge day. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, like Gallagher has been, and I know I've said this a million times, but you and I saw him last summer, spoke with some Capital P people, and he was target number one, period, end of story for this entire class, no matter the position, all that stuff. And every once in a while that happens with kids, like where they just kind of single out a guy as we have to have this guy. And they follow through. I mean, they fought off the best of the best, the biggest schools in college football. And he loved West Virginia so much that he's not even going to take any more visits to those schools. Like, I mean, he said, he said that, um, you know, he took his unofficial visits to several schools, including West Virginia and said, there's no need to look anymore. I'm not taking officials. I'm going to West Virginia. And, and I'm trying to think of that happening. And maybe the last time it happened was Wyatt Milam, uh, you know, just saying, I love West Virginia so much. I'm committing early in my recruitment and not taking official visits. And that's extremely rare for a kid of this caliber. And not even going to wait till Independence Day. That was his plan initially because he's in and he wants to get it done. And hey, let's just move it ahead because, I don't know, perhaps he felt like there was going to be a lot of pressure or a lot of scrutiny on his decision. People would come calling and just said, I'm not going to change my mind. Um, Chris, hey, this is I, how things... Sorry, can I pop in? Sure. I got a story that I I wrote on it um, about how this happened. So the timeline's a little sketchy. This is a little piece from our, our, my behind-the-scenes piece that that uh, is going to be up on the site, presumably by the time you hear this. Um, and so the timeline of how this decision was made to his decision to move up his decision, if you will, he went on a visit to Blacksburg on a Tuesday, West Virginia came to see him two days later. And again, this is from a source that may or may not think kindly of Virginia tech, but he was sure to point out to me that. Isn't it great that Rodney Gallagher went to Blacksburg and immediately after that trip said, yep, I think I'm ready to commit to West Virginia now. 
And that was how it happened. He, he told the coaching staff about 24 to 36 hours after that Virginia Tech trip, yep, I'm ready to shut it down. West Virginia is where I'm going. That's a heck of an anecdote. <laughs> and it matters. I mean, again, you exercise your options because you can, but when they're exercised, why wait when you know you know? And this seems like it's been here, – here's, um, here's my behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say I've known because I haven't, but like when you and I have had conversations, when I've talked to other people who are in our network or who cover this, they pretty much assume that Gallagher was a really strong likelihood for West Virginia for, for some time. And I would say probably as far back as the summer, correct? I mean, it wasn't out of the question. And, and I think the longer it went on and the more that the developed relationship became a strength for West Virginia, it did seem like they were contenders or perhaps the contender. That's accurate, correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a lot of friends who follow West Virginia sports and they will lob me text messages, DMs, conversations sometimes. And when the news came out that he had changed his commitment date from July 4 to Wednesday. And then the big thing that we did was we had uh, Gallagher commit on CBS Sports HQ. Well, that's a headline that goes out. So, hey, watch this. Here's a big time commit who's going to pick between, again, major programs. So this is going out to fans of Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, Oregon Penn State, Texas, uh, Pittsburgh, and, and Tech, right? Mm-hmm. Huge fan base there. But like, if you're fans of any one of the schools, you recognize other schools in that list and say, guy must be good. Boy, if we can get him, great. And a lot of my friends, a lot of my contacts were getting me saying, hey, this would be huge if West Virginia can get him. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, well, they are, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I know it's going to impact, but the two things that stand out, one, CBS Sports HQ, yeah, they want to put content out there. They got him fast, a booking time and date, right? Like this wasn't a huge turnaround with him between him saying, I'd like to do this sooner than later. And then them saying, Hey, by the way, come aboard. We got a 3 PM slot for you. That's really big. But also explain this, Chris, for him to commit and to pick West Virginia among all the other hats I just described right there, the visibility, the exposure, and then the triumph for West Virginia. Um, it's been going in this direction. They have made some big marks in recruiting this is a really big one when you combine the competition and the exposure as well. Absolutely. You look at the the eight quote unquote finalists for Rodney Gallagher and you see three of West Virginia's longest longtime rivals, Penn State, Pitt, Virginia Tech. And then you see, um, you know, a couple of blue blood programs in Notre Dame and Texas. You see another big 12 program in Oklahoma State and you see a program that is, you know, primarily affiliated with Nike and producing these amazing athletes and all that stuff in Oregon. And then West Virginia is, is the hat that he picked out of those eight. Uh, that, that means something that, that kind of puts it out there. And this is, and uh, I'll leave the recruits name out, but I mentioned it on our VIP board. This is different than some other situations like where a certain other player uh, was committing to an sec school that West Virginia had just beat out for someone else earlier and let's say that the disgruntled SEC school essentially floated it out there to all of their writers that the kid was going to official what official visit to West Virginia. And he was not. He was not going to official visit West Virginia. Um, but they wanted it out there so that when he committed the next day, they could say they beat West Virginia on the recruiting trail. Yeah. Um, that happens in recruiting a lot. A lot more than you might think. This is not one of those situations. Every single one of these teams and those eight finalists wanted Rodney Gallagher, tried to get Rodney Gallagher. Now, Texas, 
Texas, Oregon, and Oklahoma State. I do not believe he visited any of those three, so I don't think those were true contenders. He had told me he wanted to take officials to those three schools because they were further away. Um, so I would say it was probably more like a top four of West Virginia, Virginia Tech, Penn State, and Notre Dame. But um, this this is a legitimate, legitimate recruiting win. Not that the others in the class are not. But this one is, is is something special. Here's something I picked your brain about before the podcast, and I want to be careful because I don't I don't want to demean him at all. I I watched him in person. I followed his basketball and his football career. I think he's certainly a talent. But when you look at West Virginia's top, let's say ten all time recruits, here's the the list: Noel Devine, Jason Gwaltney, Brandon Barrett, Ivan McCartney, Geno Smith, Rodney Gallagher, Wyatt Milam, Dante Stills, Bruce Irvin. Drayvon Askew Henry. Woo. That is some company there, right? Um, the only one there who didn't really produce in college was, I mean, I guess Barrett because he never played. Gwaltney was good as a true freshman, obviously faded. McCartney had one great season, faded. All these other guys, I guess excluding Milam because he's just a sophomore, pretty good careers. But there's something about Gallagher that just makes me go, huh. One of these things is not like the other, whatever. He's a five foot ten, 160 ish pound receiver. He's played quarterback. He's a good defensive player. He's going to be a receiver in college. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Maybe things change eventually, but that's the initial plan. Correct me if I'm wrong. But also a really good basketball player, too. I think that helps his profile. But explain, Chris, how and why does he fit into this top 10 so convincingly he's number six so it's not like it's a conversation that eh, is he whatever no he's up there he's in the middle of that top 10 for some very good reasons what are those so i'm going to say something here and then i want you to, to hear me out so i can explain it but i think the fact that he is such a freak athlete actually uh, it helps with the rankings but it actually might hurt when with what you're talking about here because uh for instance you know you look at at somebody like um Noel Devine is, hey, run the football. You're, you're playing running back your entire life. You're amazing at running back your entire life. Uh, you look at Gina Smith, quarterback, your quarterback, your quarterback, your quarterback, Wyatt Milam. You're an offensive tackle, period, end of story. You, you know, that's what you do. That's what you play. That's your future. With Gallagher, he was a guy who had power five basketball offers. He's a guy who had power five uh, offers at cornerback, uh, power five offers at receiver. He is such an athlete that he is the best quarterback option for his high school team. Um, he could, I, I, you know, I don't want to say it's very easy to slot into a uh, running back role, but he's shown an ability to have some running back vision, some running vision and, and or field vision when running the ball. As uh, you know, I think he was one of only a handful of players ever in Western Pennsylvania to run for over a thousand yards and throw for over a thousand yards. Um, he had 33 total touchdowns last year, you know, 21 on the ground, 12 through the air. And then on defense had five interceptions and then on special teams had uh, averaged 22 yards per punt return. So he is somebody that can do it all at the same time, averaging 20 points a game for a 27 and one basketball team. So I think the fact that he spread himself out so much to do all of these things might have diminished this. Hey, you know what? If he just focused on solely slot receiver or or just receiver, could he catch, you know, 110 passes for 1,800 yards 
and, and be amazing? Like maybe. And I think that's where people are banking on that he is just such such an exceptional athlete that they see him focusing on one thing, which is receiver at West Virginia. You're, you're correct on that. And then really excelling. Brian Doan, national recruiting analyst. Comparison. Mm-hmm. Jahan Dotson. NFL first-round pick. Not bad. Um, and again, that's a guy who got the ball on a, on, a, on a good Big Ten offense and did some things there, too. And you look at what they're doing with receivers now in college and the NFL, you're, you're getting them in the backfield. Um, you don't really do the wildcat thing anymore, but you're trying to say, all right, a slot, not to be there. He can be an outside guy who ends up in the slot, an outside guy who ends up in the backfield and runs slot routes. There's a whole lot you can do. And the more of that spice you have in the field, the harder you are to guard. And this is certainly somebody to work with there. And the fact that he is a basketball player, there, there's, there's certainly potential that he has the agility to be an outside guy too. And perhaps in three or four years, he can do both and be someone that, they just haven't had, like, you see a lot of guys who get pigeonholed into one or the other, but, you know, big big receivers can play the slot because they cause matchup problems, and smaller guys can play outside because they run by people, and, and if here's a guy who can do both, great, but the fact is that you don't know, but you don't know, that isn't necessarily a bad thing with him. If he's got such potential and ability, uh, hey, terrific. So kudos to West Virginia, the coaching staff, for getting that done. Getting the kid from half an hour away, 40 minutes away um, from another state, you know, under the goalposts of, of, you would think, Penn State and Pitt, but as you also mentioned, some of the biggest rivals and other big names too, like Notre Dame. You know, that's if they're in the conversation. You kind of worry sometimes, but the big, big start and a big, big finish to an important player in the recruiting class. Um, speaking of finishes, uh, raise your hand if you have not joined West Virginia's defensive backfield in the past couple of days. <laughs> I don't, I don't see too many hands. Like yours and mine, I guess too. But a flurry of defensive backs coming in. Corners, safeties, just corners, corners who could be safeties. I don't know. Um, three now in. It begins with Rashad Ajayi, transfer from Colorado State, has a lot of experience. Continues with Jalen Shelton, a junior college transfer. From Tyler, Texas, and then concludes with someone that West Virginia saw on the field. Transfer from JMU. Cornerback Wesley McCormick. Um, Chris, I thought they were short on scholarships here, and here they are adding everybody like pastries from a bakery. And it doesn't really matter because apparently the rules are out the window and Adding one-year guys and, and guys with time, too, it, it just it's the right time to do it because you need to, but it's the right time to do it because you can. Yeah, I've received mixed info on this, you know, the unlimited scholarships for two years. Uh, my original impression was that it didn't start until the next class and then the class after that. I've had some people say, no, it starts right away, but it, it's possible both are true. Uh, something you and I discussed before we got on here and we put on the board, even if it, quote-unquote, starts next year, you can bring kids in a little later in the summer and then count them towards next year. So it kind of starts this year. Um, and that's the the path that West Virginia is moving forward with. I was told, you know, we were looking at the numbers and it's 25. Uh, the typical rule is 25 per class, initial counters. And then the NCAA allowed an extra seven. Uh, because of all of COVID and the pandemic and guys with extra years and transfers and all that. So it was up to 32. And I'm sitting here saying it, getting close to that 32. And that's the number that the coaching staff's been discussing, but, you know, publicly uh, in, in interviews and everything. Uh, hey, this is how many spots are left. 
These are those positions we're talking about. We had stories up month after month after month. That's out the window. It's all gone. They're moving forward with, hey, all the only number we care about is 85. And right now, after Shelton, Ajayi, and McCormick, they're at 82. I believe it's 82. 82 or 83. So there's there's two or three spots left. And I wouldn't rule them out going after it again. Going after some more guys. Let's talk about the one-year fixes, too. This makes more sense now than ever. Before, a bit of a risk, especially when you weren't hitting. And, and to be frank, West Virginia has not had the best hit rate on transfers with this staff. Some good ones, some misses, too. You can't have transfers transfer. Um, but now, I mean... You kind of can. You're working with a great net. Explain how the one-year guys, yeah, there's still some risk involved. There's great reward involved, but now there's less risk, which makes those rewards perhaps uh, more inviting to pursue. Yeah, and if they're one-year guys and this unlimited transfer rule is going on for two years, you bring as many guys as possible you can in this season with one year remaining to help build depth, fill spots on your team. I mean, again, I think the example we gave back in the spring about somebody when we were discussing those final few scholarships, would you rather get like a good four-year guy, a freshman with four years left, or or do you get a guy like Parker Grothaus who is being brought in almost entirely just for kickoffs? And you say, bring in that guy. If your 83rd or 84th scholarship can help in one aspect of the game for this season, go get him especially for these one-year guys, because the say uh, Ajayi, uh, Shelton's got a couple years left, but uh, Ajayi and McCormick, they come in one season, they build depth in the secondary, they start, they back up, whatever it is they do, they help on special teams. They contribute this fall. And then West Virginia just turns right back around. They become the blue blood churning through scholarship players because they have unlimited numbers next year to refill their spots. So there is no concern about them being one-year guys. You actually almost prefer it. Get the help right away, then refill it next year with the unlimited scholarship rule for the coming season. Yeah, it's great to fill gaps. If it works, great. If it doesn't, okay, fine. It was a one-year deal. But also in that time in between that one player being on campus for one year, you can look for a longer-term fix. That's part of recruiting. So this works out for schools like West Virginia because if you have holes, you're losing players and you're only able to fill so many. Again, you can have unlimited, but listen, not everybody's going to be able to completely replenish their roster with unlimited. You're going to have natural uh, shortfalls just because in West Virginia and many other schools are like that. You just can't go out and say, hi, I'm Blue Blood Program X. Come to my school and everybody's going to say yes. So you're going to have these leftovers even after you do very good work in recruiting and you go out and you get these one-year guys, maybe two-year guys, um, but short-term fixes. And if they work, great. If not, okay, move along. Um, so, yeah, this again, we, we tried to figure out what's the benefits of uncapped and, and things like that, and you're already starting to see it, at least in in perception or conception of the idea for West Virginia. Execution, we'll see. The outcome, we'll see. But uh, this appears to be the immediate fix for them right now, which isn't a bad idea. Let's go reverse chronological order with these people. We start up with Gallagher. Um, okay, let's continue that trend. Let's go to Wes McCormick from JMU. Pretty good prospect here. A lot yeah. of experience. Uh, high evaluation for PFF. And doesn't seem to be much deliberation about him. He's a cornerback, correct? Yeah. Tried and true. Pure cornerback. Um and I like it because you're really getting you, you're rolling the dice a little bit 
but there's a high ceiling here because he missed almost all of last year, only played in one game, uh, was hurt. But the year before that, he was one of the highest graded cornerbacks in all of college football. All of college football. Stop there. Say it again. (laughs) Yeah. One of the highest graded cover corners in all of college football. A 90.2 cover grade from Pro Football Focus and an 89.0 overall grade for his performance. And this was, it's the 2020 season, but if you recall, FCS schools were playing in the spring of 2021. So one year ago, one calendar year ago, he was one of the highest graded corners in all of college football. Is that good? That's good. You, you roll the dice. Like, yeah, he was hurt this past season. Um, you know, he, he might be rusty. He hasn't played in a while. But you roll the dice on that 10 times out of 10 with your, you know, 82nd or 83rd scholarship for sure. Mm-hmm. I think you have to. And again, a guy who started and played a whole lot too, that's good. JMU always a very good defense. They're, they're pretty strong on that side. And their secondary was pretty salty there too. Um, expectation to start, I don't know, maybe, but expectation to compete absolutely he's going to make that room older here here's my question chris and this might stream into our next two players that we're going to talk about here it does not bridge the gap they have between old and new in the cornerback position you have woods senior uh kai ruffin is a junior everybody else is freshman did they address that with the other two players do you think yes no maybe maybe with shelton Uh, i mean he's got a couple years left uh but still a concern it, and it it's is. a minor one but still i mean it the way to be good in the future is to have young guys who are good right but also you have to be good in the president in the present and if your young guys are good you accomplish both but if you don't get like if you play woods and mccormick this year a lot and maybe you get i don't know someone else to, like a third guy like a freshman and stuff for it okay but when those two seniors are gone you're gonna have a lot of guys who haven't played I don't think that you just throw freshmen out there who aren't ready to play just here good next year. So this at least covers them one way or the other for this year moving forward, which again goes back to that one year solution too. So you, you kind of endorse it. And, and again, you use this year to find maybe a guy who can fill a gap for you next year where you won't be quite as old, maybe somebody who has some experience. And again, maybe, maybe they do have that with Shelton too, because he's, he's really interesting to me. What do we know about him? Big guy, six foot three, played a lot of corner. Uh, for his junior college team, but I'm told he is being brought in not exclusively for safety, but certainly to start. Um, he, he's a big guy. I I wrote about it in my incident analysis, watching his film and seeing how they play over at Tyler Junior College. He plays a ton, a ton of zone coverage, and, and you'll know more about this than me, but I feel like it, with West Virginia's um, defense that there's a little bit more man coverage than what that than what Tyler Junior College does, and at least for the corners and maybe the safeties get a little more zone in them, and so he he excels at that because he has great initial burst. He's got length, so I think if he can play that zone coverage and stay back in in a safety position, he could be one of those guys that that makes a lot of plays on the ball. A lot of big guys play corner in JUCO. Yeah. And I think that may be like some sort of a high school thing where you put your best athlete at quarterback. But if you got a really big guy who can, by the way, run in the secondary, yeah, put him at corner and see what happens there. But he looks like a free safety to me, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, burst, 
apparent speed apparent um in that not we saw it on film but here's a guy who in high school was running the 450.8 seconds and you think all right well he's got great pull away speed or catch up speed all right he ran the 222.4 nice there's something there uh, and again a 6263 guy who can do it long arms knows what he's doing it does project as a safety but man you fill in you fill in a, a guy who can do a couple of things and i read about this in three things I just think that's what you lose in Jackie Matthews. Um, the top 24-7 transfer portal rankings came out. Matthews is number 53. 53 in the top 247 transfers this year. Why? Uh, was he an amazing player? No. He was valuable and he could do things. And he, He's starting to make a mark there, I think, at the end of spring football where they said, yeah, special teams, great. He's going to fill in here and there, safety corner. And again, you're going to need that stuff on defense because West Virginia wants to be able to match up. We talk about all the different combinations of possibilities in the defensive line. That defensive line is going to be good almost no matter who they put out there. Will they get overwhelmed sometimes or get pushed backwards? Yeah, every defensive line does. But they need to be creative in that back end to compensate for some inexperience and maybe talent deficiencies right now. Both can grow over time. But if you can have the right combination of five players out there, you're going to be better. And if you can do that to cover different situations, terrific. Is he part of that this coming year? I don't know. But it's less of a question now because you have one more option, too. Um, I, I like it because the the physical uh, attributes there. But I have a theory that I want to bounce off you, Chris, that maybe I have before. I haven't writing. I'm not sure. But you've been setting me straight so far today. You want to try again? Sure. Automatic qualifier, Shelton. Correct? Uh, I believe so. Okay. One year there. So, yeah. Um, no, no, no. Well, he played two years, but he redshirted one. Right. But I believe he was an AQ. Yeah, I think he was. Okay. Um, either way, he had off. He was committed to Tulsa for a while. Right. Um, and I want to say Louisiana Monroe is after him and they offered him a scholarship. He had some attention. What's interesting to me here is that the 2020 season doesn't count. Mm-hmm. All these Division One FBS, FCS rosters are swollen a little bit by guys who choose the extra year. And it's happened at West Virginia. It's happened everywhere. Um, high school recruiting becomes much more important. Junior college recruiting becomes less and less important because you don't need as many quick fixes from the junior college ranks, right? right. Um, some players are going to slip through the cracks. And when you look at a guy who's from a, a school with about 900 kids, a town with about 1,200 people um, in Texas, a part of Texas you gotta you got to hear about and then get to to go, a guy like that can slip through the cracks. But at large, I just feel like when you look at the junior college rankings past to present, there was a lot more players who were making a mark from previous junior college recruiting classes. And now they weren't getting recruited. Uh, they weren't starring in their first or second seasons or one or two only seasons in the FBS. I can't believe the talent has changed that much. I just wonder if the junior college ranks have some players there who get overlooked more now than ever because of immediate eligibility of the transfer portal the extra year. I'm not saying Shelton is a guy, but is there something to that where the junior college ranks may be able to help you out and, and, and find guys like this who have a couple of years and who have FBS talent, but just kind of didn't find the FBS spot. I'm not saying they're all Taz Sherman who bet on themselves, but there are people who just didn't have a spot that they're hard to find in general. Um, and then there's going to be more of those people just because there's fewer spots immediately in the FBS. Yeah, I'm with you hundred percent on that. I, I think a lot of those guys that over the last couple of years kind of slipped through the cracks that didn't get a look because Teams are like, hey, I'll just hit the transfer portal instead. And guys that maybe would have been the 19th, 20th, 21st high schooler that you took in your class are now having to go junior college instead of accepting lower roles. And then they can build up their profile 
and hopefully get a look in junior college. But now with the unlimited scholarships, I think, I think you might see, let's not call it a resurgence of junior college recruiting, but a few more guys are going to get looks for the, for the reasons you're talking about. Cause yeah, it's great to get those one year guys, but when you have that gap between a bunch of freshmen and a bunch of seniors, you really want to balance as important as the transfer portals become balancing the class is still something you still need it. And, and Shelton's a guy that's going to have three years left. So guys like Shelton could, you know, get that second chance maybe that they didn't get before and find their way onto some FBS teams. At the minimum, special teams up this year, big guy who can run. Um, and, and you find guys like that and you put them in and, and you take some, some reps off a guy who, who doesn't necessarily need them. Uh, finally, and also initially Rashad Ajayi, um, Experience for defensive-minded coach out of Colorado State. Um, corner, probably. Doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with this. Maybe a little bit unusual. Kind of came out of nowhere. A bit of a surprise. You can get into that. But a veteran presence, again, doesn't bridge young to old, but it does take care of concerns about experience or, or maturation or whatever you need for this year. Yeah, he's a guy that, you know, we talked about McCormick's PFF grades being outstanding. Uh Ajayi's are more, yeah, okay. Like, I mean, he had a 72 cover grade last year, which is above above average, uh, 65 being that mark. You know, get above 65, you are above average in your position. Um, it, but he's a guy that has over 2,000 snaps. You know, we, we've made a big deal about a lot of the snaps leaving the program uh, this offseason. This is a guy that's bringing in 2,000 FBS snaps in the backfield. Um, and, and that's not something you can just dismiss. Um, the sneakiness, the, you know, keeping this one a little under the radar, that's been a move. You know, <laughs> there were in a uh, few years back, I, there were visits that were high schoolers and stuff that, that the previous coaching staff did not want out there because they felt that they were getting piggybacked by other schools. That is not paranoia. I mean, I thought it was a little extreme, but other schools piggyback off other teams recruiting. It happens all the time. And that's even more true when it comes to transfers. And when you're looking at the transfer portal at this stage of the game, looking for a premium position like cornerback, there, there, there's not a lot of you know options available, at least options that you want available. And you really want to keep play your cards close, close to the vest so that other teams are like, oh, hey, what? who's WVU sniffing on over there, that cornerback? Who's that guy? Um, because it, th- this is, a you know, again, a solid end of the quote-unquote cycle pickup for West Virginia. And I think they wanted to keep it under the radar so that other programs didn't um, jump on him. And, I mean, Cal did the same thing. He visited California, and you saw nothing about that either. Uh, until after he'd already visited both programs. So it was something that that schools are trying to keep under the radar, and I think you're going to see that with a lot of transfers moving forward. I want to get into the coach who seems to be responsible for a lot of this here, but um, Ajay's from Langston Hughes. This is a 6A school in Georgia. Mm -hmm. About 2,000 students there, um, committed to Georgia Southern for a little bit, had some offers from around there, including Troy, Mm -hmm. Neil Brown, Jordan Leslie, Sean Reagan, Matt Moore there. They liked him back then, so I'm guessing that the coach I want to get to, Shadon Brown, the secondary coach, comes into the office and says, hey, 
guys heard of Rashad Ajayi and a couple people go, oh, yeah, can we get him? It probably goes a little bit like that. But uh, it does seem like that Shadon Brown has had um, his hands full lately, too. He's connected with a lot of these coaches are dapping him on Twitter. Um, and he's been out in that area. He was at Colorado for a little bit. Perhaps he had eyeballs on him, too. But he does seem like he's doing some work here. Uh, how much is him and, and how much of this is cooperative, do you think? Uh, I think he's very involved in this. Uh, he, he takes a, a big part in every piece of the secondary with recruiting, uh, safety corner, you know, Dante, Wright, Obviously safety's coach. And he's uh, speaking of guys we're talking about here, uh, the lead and uh, did mm. <laughs> I, I, I very rarely get to see the, the work that he put in on a guy like Gallagher. I'll circle back on that in a minute, but the, but Shadon Brown is very similar and does a, a lot of recruiting he enjoys it. Um, that was something I wrote about when he first came here. I said he he has recruited. One of the perks of him is that he has recruited everywhere he has gone, and everywhere he has gone, he has had to recruit a new area. He seems to connect quickly with new recruiting areas, with recruits, and, and getting guys on campus. So I think it's a high school recruiting is a little different, but with these older guys, he seems to connect with them and be like, hey, this is this is the business we need done. And we think you can do it. What do you think? And, and has helped secure some of these guys for for West Virginia for sure. Uh, parting shot, Chris. I want to ask you one question here, and you can fill in the blanks on this with an answer or a hypothetical. But we we played video games. We're that generation. We grew up and we were playing Madden. We were playing uh, EA football, college football, and you know, play football. I should say. Um, you think about recruiting. You think about free agency, whether it's in NCAA or Madden. But you were filling positions and. You're going through all the available players, whether it's in a recruiting class or free agency class. And we always sorted certain attributes, um, size, length, speed. Um, you think of the different things that were rated, right? And then, you know, from zero to 99. And if you had a position, well, I want a guy who's like a 90 speed if he's going to play receiver. I want a quarterback who's got, you know, 87 throwing accuracy, whatever here. When you look at what they've done in the defensive backfield, which I think we'd all agree was their their area of emphasis when it came to post-spring recruiting attention for the transfer portal. Um, you've got the control in your hand, and you're in the room with the coaches. What do you think they're telling you to sort from highest value to low, lowest value, from most important component to least important component? I hope that makes sense, but you have the ability to filter a huge list of players in the portal according to what is most important to you and who is the best at it. When you look at McCormick, Shelton, Ajayi, and then some other people that they consider, or maybe they're still going after, what do you think they're sorting and valuing? I think immediate help. I mean, it, it, from everyone I've spoken with, this is every decision that has been made with these last couple of spots, and the, the, the couple of spots that have just happened and the couple of spots remaining. Almost every single decision has been based off of um, will this player help us now? Period. There seems to be, and, and this is not a bad thing. It may not, it may seem like I'm saying it's a bad thing. It's not. We've already gone over how the unlimited scholarships let you turn them over and you can just refill these spots next year. Every single decision is based on how these players can help now. And, and I think that's why you've seen that emphasis on the secondary. I mean, please go back and listen to Mike and I's draft. Uh, where where I think I took a, a true freshman cornerback like in like the seventh round or something crazy because there the options after that were 
other true freshmen that haven't played in two years or walk-ons. So it was a move that needed to be made. Um, and the coaching staff has put the focus on it, have to build up the secondary, have to build up the secondary. And I've been told that with these last couple spots, secondary, maybe, maybe not, but whoever they are, it's going to be people who can help right now. Well, what category is that? Is there an EXP I'm not familiar with? <laughs> I don't know. Like where? Because I feel like you got things covered. I, I would say covered on special teams, but you, you filled a, a big gap there, and maybe you feel comfortable with what you got. Secondary, you've already added. Could you add more? I argue yes. Um, edge rusher. I think you told me you you called that on a pod like a month ago, which I still agree with. If you can get an edge rusher, that might be the most impactful. Uh, addition you can make right now and then receiver so i go edge i'm trying to do the the secondary numbers in my head right now edge and then either second another secondary piece or wide receiver i might go wide receiver but i don't just don't think there's a good enough player right now available to really warrant that i think under the attributes it sounds like what you're saying would be like awareness points yeah for corners and safeties like if you if you have awareness you obviously have experience but that means you're aware enough to play and that's probably i'm trying to think of what the what's transferable from the video game logic but i'm applying here to real life but my my awareness is what a a 20 right now is that what you're saying it's your question (laughs) it wasn't well scouted i guess (laughs) see i'm just curious about that because like we we think backwards sometimes all right what do they have to do well now that we've seen it what have they done and i think you're right they're trying to get it which means that like Perhaps they're not so stuck on a height or a speed or, I mean, tackling is probably important, right? But like, you know, if they're aware and they know what they're doing, they're going to be able to, to help right away back there. And they're, that's going to flatten out a learning curve that I think that they were staring at going, hmm, I prefer not to do this if I don't have to. Yeah. And now perhaps they don't have to. So that's. No, I think that's a good one. I think awareness is a good one because that's one of the ones. I think that's the one that I like to, to pump up early when I go through my, my drafts and stuff like that with players and, and get that up early. Cause yeah, it does help with just being out on the field and at least being in the right position to make a play. Well, and here you have guys who are experienced and also one who is big and can run too. So they got a little bit of each, but you're right. Um, an emphasis on immediate help. And I think that if they do go beyond this, which I don't know why they wouldn't based on what you've said and what we've heard, you don't have to be as immediate right now in the secondary, but you still could be at receiver. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe pass rush. If you find a guy who can scream around the corner as an outside linebacker or something like that, I wouldn't mess with the defensive line. If you find a guy who can play and push at offensive line, sure, but it does seem like that there are fewer questions um, and, and a lot of answers now that we did not have before, so that is good. And then, by the way, that's just this year. The excitement certainly is on Rodney Gallagher and – a recruiting class that's starting to take form. Last one. How much more news and, and how much longer do you think we have to wait until that class starts to become more and more crowded? There's a few names in there. Uh, reputable, rising, guys who've gone viral for different reasons for, because either they're very good and have been for a while or they had a very good day in camp and had the right people watching. But it does seem like we're, we're near the time where that's going to start adding a lot of people to it. Yeah, I mean, you, you and I both know how this goes. That, that first weekend, official visits, June 3rd. Now, a couple of those... Well, at least half of those guys are already committed, so maybe not people jumping on board then. But then you got all the camps, and you'll see throughout the month of June a couple more commits. And then, you know, hey, it's usually that first, second week of July when everybody goes, oh, it's a dead period, and all the coaches go on vacation. 
you and I go on vacation and then all the recruits say, okay, I'm ready to commit. Um, I, I think that that's going to be a time to watch. And I, I, I fully expect that given the transfer portal and stuff like that, that West Virginia could be wrapped up with their 2022. So adding two more pieces if they want, if they want, um, you know, and when I say if they want, they want to, if they find the right players. And then for their 2023 class, again, as far as high schoolers go, I'd expect somewhere around 18 high schoolers per class moving forward because uh, you're saving spots for transfers and all that. Um, you know, it's six now, seven now with Gallagher. Might be almost done. I mean, you might be doubling that number of seven by the time you get to July. So you go into fall camp with just a couple spots left in the class. Allow me to put the ribbon on it, too, and this will go, go from back of the podcast to the front. You add someone like Gallagher, you turn the screws on people who want to be on the fence and play this out longer because they have a small number, like you said, like it's going to close quickly, quick, I guess, but also they can attract a high caliber player and they can get them. And if you think, eh, I can do better, West Virginia is going to be there probably should think twice about that. Maybe more now than before. Not everything is like that. Not every player is going to be like Gallagher. Not every position is going to be addressed in a four-star top 10 all-time recruit manner. But can happen. And they are bringing in players to visit, offering them scholarships, having conversations with them, where if you sit there and say, it'll be there later, you'll be so sure. Because that can be spot. that's a spot that can be filled by somebody who can play football. And, and we know that. With a lot of proof now in the past couple of years with this coaching staff and recruiting class. Anything else, Chris? That is it. Hopefully, for now, we'd like a couple of days off before the camp starts. You should go hang out at the Inner Harbor or something like that, you know? Just <laughs> take, some, take some time off. Uh, it's just heating up. June going to be a busy month uh, on and off the field for all of us. We'll be here to cover it. Until then, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.